Welcome to the Aligned Women Podcast, a podcast to empower women in chiropractic to grow practices that work for their families. I'm Dr. Danielle Eaton. And I'm Dr. Shauna Dingman. We're two moms who are navigating the journey of life and practice just like you. So sit back, take a deep breath, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Aligned Women podcast. Dr. Shauna and I are excited to be here with you, excuse me, today. And we're going to be talking about a topic that I feel like is sort of taboo in a a sense, but really it's something that's vital for us as business owners to discuss. The topic overall is money. The question is, why do we avoid asking for payments? Shauna, have you ever avoided asking for payment or have you ever, have you always just felt good about asking for money from your practice? No, I definitely haven't. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I could say I've avoided asking for payments, but I, I know there are times where I've certainly felt awkward or uncomfortable or, um, you know, if the opportunity to push it back an appointment has come up, I've taken it. Uh, so no, I, I definitely have not always felt comfortable around it. I feel very comfortable around it now. I have no problem asking for payments now. What made the difference or the shift for you? <sighs> well, probably a lot of it is just going through it for years and years. You know, I think it's like anything. The more you do it, the better you get at it. I know we've definitely created systems within our, you know, within our visits and our paperwork that make it very easy. It makes it very clear what the expectations are around payments. And so I think the more clarity that we have around what the expectation is for payment, the easier it is to follow through with it. And then I would say the last part and probably the biggest part is a combination of, you know, not asking for payment enough not asking for the full value of what we offered for long enough that we literally almost would have gone under. If we had kept up what we were doing, I'm not sure we'd still be in business right now. And coming to that realization that I've said this before on one of the podcasts, we we literally were paying people to walk through our door because our cost per patient was more than what our income per patient visit was. So getting to that realization where we were like, wow, we have been being so nice, I think, around the service of this, that we haven't been operating this as a business. And then just realizing there's no reason why we, our family, should be a charity where our CAs are making more than we're making, where just about every patient we have is making more than what we're making. And we're, you know, literally just giving away this service. So I think coming to that realization and just saying no more, this is ridiculous. And then putting those processes in place where we get paid our value now. And it's actually easier. It's just, it's more comfortable and people pay it. So I think having those experiences, that's what's changed it for me. What about you? Well, I can tell you that the times that I've felt like I wanted to avoid asking for payment from a practice member were times that I let someone I don't know another way to say this, but I don't like the way this sounds, but I let someone run up a bill essentially mm-hmm. like um, for whatever reason we, we let them start care without asking for 
payment up front. And we were like, no problem. We'll get it later. However, then later rolls around and we're like, Oh, forgot to ask for the payment again. And then before you know it, there's a large outstanding balance owed by the patient. And that's when I would get like, Oh, uh, I don't really want to ask for this, but how much longer can I let them continue to come in for service without paying anything for it? Yeah. Right. And, and part of that was because in the U S you know, when I was, um, an in-network provider with insurance companies, if your systems are not working for you and you are in network, if you're not collecting something from the patient at the time of service, you can quickly and easily find yourself in this scenario. Mm-hmm. So a way that I safeguarded myself from this is to just simply be out of network and I don't participate in insurance anymore. And so that means that every time I see a patient, they have paid for their, their service at the time of the service or prior to the service. So I don't have to worry about having that scenario happen anymore. Yeah, you know, I remember somebody telling me a couple of years ago, the way they related the scenario is, you know, if you, for example, if you say you weren't paying the balance on your visa bill and you, you've got this really large value uh, balance on your credit card, are you more or less likely to pull out your credit card and use it? I think a lot of people would be less likely to use it knowing that they've got this massive balance to pay off. They don't want to pull out the credit card and keep using it. It's the same if somebody knows they have a big balance in our office and they're struggling to pay it, or maybe they're not struggling, but nobody's asked for it. A, nobody likes to get an email or, you know, have the CA say to them, hey, did you know that you've got a $560 balance that we need to clear off? No one likes to be hit with that kind of news ever. But also, it's hard if somebody is struggling to pay their bills, and that's why they have a balance. We're not doing them any favors by increasing the size of their bill. And what will happen is, they'll start missing appointments or canceling appointments because they don't want to run up their balance anymore. So it's really a kindness to make sure that we're having these conversations with people and, um, you know, just making sure that we are on top of the receivables as well. So what are some strategies, Danielle, that can either make the conversations easier to have? Cause I, I think there are two things that are happening here. First People feel like they're awkward conversations that they want to avoid. But the second is, I think a lot of times there are things happening at the front desk where payments are not being taken. And we, as the business owners, are not aware of it until weeks, months, whatever, down the road, or possibly even at the end of the year when you're reconciling your books for your accountant and going, oh my gosh, look at all the receivables we have and look at the list of people who owe us money. And it should never get to that point. So it's a combination of dealing with what we perceive to be an awkward conversation, but also making sure that we have good strategies and processes in place that we as the owners are aware of exactly what's going on with our receivables. So what are some strategies that you have to deal with either of these things? Well, speaking of conversations at the front desk, when my sister was my office manager, she did a great job of making sure that we collected what we build from insurance companies as often and as much as possible. That was an amazing strength that she had. However, when she started working in my office, the first couple of weeks, I would hear patients go up to the front desk to check out and, and they would leave. And then I'd 
you know, when I had downtime, I'd go up to the front desk and look at what she had collected so far for that day and see like there had been no copays collected. <laughs> and I was like, okay, tell me what's going on with copays. Why are you not having people pay their copays when they're in the office, either before they come back or after they've been adjusted? And she was like, I just feel really bad asking for money. And I was like, oh, sister, hold on here. You just worked for several years in retail, specifically in a shoe store where you sold shoes to parents for their kids that they would outgrow in probably about what, six months, would you say? And she was like, oh my gosh, we had customers coming in all the time, buying really expensive shoes for their kids. And yeah, I always knew that they were going to outgrow them in like three or four months. (laughs) And so I said to her, okay, what is the value of those shoes? And she looked at me like, what are you talking about? You weirdo. (laughs) Hang with me here. Think about this. The hang of is that you saw the value in the shoes. Like people were leaving the store that you worked in that day with the shoes in the box or on their feet. Right. And they were excited about those shoes, but listen, what we're providing here is health. And I know that you don't see necessarily what's happening when they come back to be adjusted, or you may not necessarily also hear the changes that are happening in their lives, but we're, we're helping them live healthier lives. And what is the value of that? And further, what's the value of that compared to the shoes? And she was like, oh, okay, got it. (laughs) And seriously, from that moment forward, she was comfortable asking for co-pays and it, it didn't happen anymore that people would come into the office and leave without paying their copay if she was on shift. Now, another step that we also put in place was that we started having people pay for, pay their copay, or if they were a self-pay, they paid whatever their visit fee was before they came back to be adjusted. And um, for me, that was really important. It was a protective measure. It, it helped me to know and feel confident that what I was doing was a business, yes, but, but people were valuing it and I wasn't seeing a patient and then also wondering like, is this patient paying today or are they not? And having that dialogue going on in my brain. So mm-hmm. having people pay either if you offer care plans, pay for their care plan, or if you want people in your practice paying at the time of service, then they pay at the time of service and they don't leave your office having not paid for the service that they've already been given. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, hearing you talk about this, it makes me think there's actually a third thing that's going on. And you and I see it all the time in the masterminds. And I think it's worth bringing up is that there is a money mindset issue here because, uh, well, we were just talking about it in, um, in one of our recent mastermind sessions, one of the docs voiced what I think a lot of our listeners feel that there is a certain amount of guilt or just discomfort, even talking about money. It's like, if we talk about money or we have money goals, then we are not, we're selfish. We're not about patient care. We don't really care about our patients. We care about money. And I just, I want to say 100% with as much clarity as I can possibly say that you can care about money and income 
and be the most caring doctor in the world. One is not exclusive of the other. And man, there is such a stigma for women to talk about money. And when you look at the, the women in media, in movies and TV shows, the ones who have a lot of money, there is a certain character that they play and it's never good, right? So I think we need to remember that as people, as business owners, as care providers, it's important that we keep money in the forefront of our mind when we're running this business because you do not have a business. You will not be able to open your doors if you don't treat it like the business that it is. It is okay to talk about money. It's okay to expect to be profitable. One of the biggest complaints that we have from your spouses is that you work so hard, you take so much time away from the family, that daycare costs a lot of money and all those things, but there isn't the money coming back into the family. And, you know, our spouses have a point. If, if we're going to work this hard and we're going to be in a business that costs so much money, let's make that money back. Let's, let's put money back into the family coffers because really you deserve it. Your family deserves it. And there is nothing negative about you earning income, right? That That's, to be honest, that's why part of the reason why you went to chiropractic college. Yes, you wanted to serve, but yes, you also wanted to make a great income where you could help to support your family. And Danielle, I know you were like me. You knew going into this that chiropractic is a great lifestyle for a woman. Um, I had the choice between going to medical school or going to chiropractic college. And the majority of women practitioners that I talked to who were chiropractors said, it's awesome to be a mom chiropractor, like so much flexibility and great income. I never heard the female physician saying that. And that's why I chose chiropractic. So I just want to release the guilt, the shame. I don't know the just whatever the money mindset things are around this. It is okay to talk about money, to want to make money and to have money goals in chiropractic. It's a great profession as long as you work it well. Otherwise, you're going to work your buns off for not a whole lot of income. You will burn out. You will most likely leave the profession. Your husbands will not be very happy with you. And it's hard. It makes everything feel harder. So I want this to be easier for you. I want you to have the freedom to be okay with wanting more money. It's okay. So... <laughs> sister. So we have to remember that money is a reward for the work that we do. And so many of us are looking at money as this negative thing that we don't want to talk about. Money is just the reward for the work that we do. When you are not rewarded for the work that you do, it's really easy, as you said, to feel like you're, you're spending a lot of time away from your family for very little in return. Our spouses get pretty, uh, uncomfortable, let's say with that. And we, we have to remember that we're running a business, Yeah, right? We are, we are running a business and everybody else on the outside knows that your business is a business. But the really amazing thing to me about having the kind of business that we do have is that yes, we get to help people and we want to make it about helping people. It is about helping people, but we get financially rewarded to be able to help people change their lives. So it's beautiful. It's amazing. Trust me, just a few years ago, I felt all kinds of wonky 
messed up feelings about money and, and exchanging money with people and, and asking for money. But what I realized now is that a lot of that was because of how I was brought up around money and the very little of it that we had. (laughs) And then also how I felt about myself Mm-hmm. And, and the confidence that I didn't have about the value that I provided or the confidence that I lacked about the change that I could help people make in their lives. So time was a part of changing this, but I have put in a lot of energy and effort in changing my mindset, my beliefs about money mm-hmm. so that I can have a positive relationship with it for myself. Yes. But also be able to pass it on to my kids too. Yeah. And I think probably the most damaging attitudes that we have in practice around money came from chiropractic college or came from our fellow chiropractors where there's this idea of, you know, you're in it to serve, you're not in it to make money and we have become our own worst enemies. So I'm going to give you, uh, I'm going to say five or six simple, practical strategies, things that you can implement today to help the whole money thing, just to help make it easier for you. Okay. So the first thing that I'm going to ask you is, do you have an office policy sheet? So on the third visit in our office, there's the office policy sheet that gets pulled out. And one of the points on it is the financial policy that, um, you know, all payments are made in advance for services and that basically we don't run a bill. Um, and when I say third visit, the first visit being the initial visit and exam, the second visit being the report of findings and the presentation of their care plan, the third visit is when we do the office policy sheet. So we just spell it out right there. We're not going to let you hold a balance because that's not how we do business. The second thing is, okay, this happens a lot. Uh, when the patient agrees in the room to say for, you know, if you do care plans or if you have some kind of financial arrangement with a patient, they agree with you, but then they go back to your front desk and they tell your CA something completely different. So just knowing that there's an awareness around that, um, we actually just walk the patient right out on the second visit, the report of findings. We would walk them right out to our chiropractic assistant and say, um, you know, okay, Danielle is, we're going to book her appointments. That's awesome. She's going to be part of our office here. Um, and she's chosen to do a monthly care plan. So Karen, she's our CA. Karen, I'll let you set that up. That helps just having that walk out where the patient is hearing you communicate directly with the CA. But then also if they say something different to the chiropractic assistant, Karen, our chiropractic assistant will always say something along the lines of, oh, I know that's not what you agreed with Dr. Sean or Dr. Craig. So um, I'm going to have to just mention, like, I'm going to have to talk to them about this because you're, you're breaking your agreement with the doctor. So we're going to have to figure out what is the new agreement going to be. And I think just having them saying you're breaking the agreement that you made with the doctor that often it makes people just kind of backtrack a little bit and go, Oh no, no, no. Um, I just need to make sure that, I don't know, that I've cleared a balance off my card. Can we start the payments next time or something like that? So there's a, there is some kind of an awareness around this, but if, if a conversation is required where they are totally, they're singing a different tune, then RCA just comes right back and she'll just say, just hang on a second. Let me just go get Dr. Shauna. Um, so third thing, 
do you run a, a regular weekly or monthly receivables report? Like it should never get to the point where eight months from now, you're just finding out that a patient hasn't been paying or their insurance hasn't been paying all this time. So it's just a matter of running regular receivables reports so that you can see where people are at. That's also something that we have on our team meeting sheet. So every Monday, our whole team meets and one of the sections on the weekly team meeting sheet is just, it just says financials. So that's anyone who's starting a plan, anyone who for whatever reason is canceling their plan, or if somebody is now they're behind in their payments, their name would show up on the report. And that way, Karen always brings it to our attention within seven days. And we agree as a team on how it's going to be handled. Um, another thing that I'm going to get you all to do as soon as you finish listening to this podcast is figure out what is your cost per visit and what is your income per visit? Because if you can't tell me like right off the bat what the cost is versus the income, then you probably don't realize whether or not you are actually profitable or if you are how profitable or if you're not, how bad is it? And all you need to do for that is for cost per visit, you're going to take your total expenses over a time period, say 12 months, and you're going to divide it by your total number of visits. All visits of any kind, whether it's report of findings, whether it's initial visit, like any visit counts. Total expenses for the year over total number of visits for the year, that's your cost per visit. Per visit. Then you do the same thing for income. You take your total gross income for the year, you divide it by the same number of visits, same time frame. that's your income per visit. Your income per visit should be a lot more than your cost per visit, that's profit. If your income per visit and your cost per visit are the same, you're in trouble because you can't pay yourself or anybody else. And sometimes just seeing that number is gonna be the biggest thing that will make you comfortable asking for money. Another thing that I can recommend is just offering simple options for people to pay. So if you're someone who offers any kind of a care plan, do you offer a one-time payment? Do you offer a monthly payment? Do you offer, um, sometimes people will offer a clear balance monthly or just something that means that people are entering into a very clear financial agreement where you now have their credit card or it's being automatically withdrawn from their account and they don't have to be pulling out their wallet every time they come in. And it, it actually puts you in a lot of control over the finances around their visits. So that's, I mean, I highly recommend that. And the last thing is more of a thought process. I just want you to think about when you feel badly about asking people for payment, think about how much people are paying per month for their cell phone bill. Think about how much they've just paid for whatever their newest Apple product is. Think about how much brush augmentation costs or teeth whitening or the orthodontist or the dentist people don't go to a massage therapist and walk out and not pay do you want to be treated with less respect than any other kind of a massage therapist a counselor an acupuncturist why would we be the ones allowing people to walk out without payment when none of these other people are and it would seem weird to somebody when that's okay. And really what you've done is you've set a precedent that nobody else is offering. So if that helps with your mindset, then that should make the whole money thing much easier for you to wrap your head around too. What about you, Danielle? Do you have any other suggestions? Well, just 
to follow up on what you've just said, you have to value yourself because if you don't value yourself and your services, you can't expect other people to do it for you. People aren't going to show up to your, to your practice and ask to pay you more than what you're asking to be paid. So if you're not clear on what your cost per visit is, for example, and asking for more than that per visit, no one's going to do that for you. So I've, I get kind of fired up about this because I feel really strongly that as a, as a mom, we have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to provide for my family. Mm-hmm. And if something were to happen to my husband, I can't just be like, oh, shoot, our provider is gone. <laughs> like, I need to also be able to provide for my family. And mm-hmm. this probably also, again, comes from like, growing up in a situation where my mom struggled to provide for her family. And I was always pretty ticked off about that. So, so it's like, a, it's a deep thing to me, but I really feel like so many women are taking this passive approach to being able to provide for their families and hoping that one day something will happen or somebody else fixes this for them. We have to be able to fix this for ourselves, for ourselves and for our families. So money is a hot topic. Yes, but it's something that we really, if you're going to be a practice owner, you really have to be able to be willing to improve your skill set with your money management, improve your mindset and your beliefs about money and ask yourself tough questions so that you can make the most of your practice and you can be well rewarded for the work that you do. Absolutely. And you know, it is a great feeling when you see large amounts of money going into your family accounts or especially your profit first account. And if you haven't experienced that yet, talk to some of the other women in aligned women who are doing it really, really well talk to them about what it feels like to be putting thousands of dollars into a profit first account and then being able to show your spouse, Hey, this is how much we've, you know, we've put in the profit first account this quarter. What do you want to do with it? Do you want to go on a cool trip? Do you want to buy ourselves something cool for the house? How do we want to spend this money? And it's really cool to see how the husbands respond and how it can change their mindset around financial planning or, you know, just having more um, partnership in the family finances. So. Yes. Amen. Okay. If you want to know with a little bit more insight, how are you doing in your practice right now when it comes to money, be sure to calculate your income per visit, your cost per visit, and then take our aligned practice quiz. Mm -hmm. In the aligned practice quiz, there's a section all about money. And if you're not clear about what you could be doing differently to help you be more profitable in your business, head over to alignwoman.com forward slash quiz, take the quiz, and then see what insights come up for you. And as Shauna just suggested, share and ask questions with other women in the Aligned Women community because there are people in our community that are getting amazing results but yet they're not the kind of people that post about it widely on social media. And so they're kind of like, what's the word? Silent sleepers is what comes to my mind. Like they're, they're creating amazing changes. Yes. Self CEOs sounds really good. Yes. They're creating amazing changes in their practices, but 
um, you wouldn't know that because they're so humble about it. Yeah. Okay. Um, to wrap up some of the resources that come to my mind, um, besides listening to our podcast, taking the quiz, there are lots and lots of books to help you with both money management, uh, money skill set, and money mindset. So our favorite, I think we'd both agree on this for money management would be profit first. Profit first. Yeah. And, um, one of the books that we both like that is about, um, more of like a money mindset approach is you are a badass at making money by Jen Sincero. So dive into those. You can find them on Amazon and audible both. Um, if you like to listen to things on the go, which if you're listening to this podcast, I would assume that you do. And I can tell you that everyone I've talked to who has implemented profit first has seen amazing results. Yeah. Okay. That's a wrap for this episode. We will catch you next week for a new episode of the Aligned Women podcast. Take care. Thank everyone for joining us today. Thank you for joining us today on the Aligned Women podcast. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, we would love for you to head on over to iTunes and hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join the community of amazing women doctors in our free private Facebook group, Mama Chiropractors, by going to alignedwomen.com slash mamachiropractors. And if you'd love to fast track your success in life and practice, subscribe to the waitlist for the Aligned Women Team group coaching membership by going to alignedwomen.com forward slash join. Have an amazing day and we look forward to seeing you next time on the Aligned Women podcast. Bye.